Hey guys, welcome to Maple Crest Church. This is a place where, together, we'll be diving into topics like who Jesus is, what he wants for us, and how to live it out in today's world. We hope it serves you well in your journey and gives you life. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your family. Okay, let's get into the message. Today we're talking about heavenly rewards and how God takes what's in our lives and turns it for good and turns it for uh, into these beautiful gems that we can then have with him forever. And um, so we're going to be talking about that. We've been talking out of the book of Revelation. We've been trying to understand God's character, Jesus's character out of that book, out of the book of Revelation, just in the same way that we would uh, do it out of Matthew, Mark, or Luke. We would we would understand something that's not happening right now. And by understanding what God did then, we can understand him. And in the same way, we're understanding what God, who he is, by what he's doing in the past and also what he can do and what he will do in the future. And uh, so we've been, we've been doing that. We've been doing that for a while. I've just been really blessed by kind of understanding him through this different lens because the book of Revelation is so dramatic. It's so wonderful. And so I think in this different way, it kind of displays who he is. And uh, so it's just such a, it's such a blessing to see him in this different lens. And I mean, it's like it's about the revelation. Revelation is about the revelation of who he is, revealing who he is. Last message, we were talking about the millennial kingdom. And it was great because uh, as we were talking, as we were talking about that, as I was, as I was learning about that and preparing about that for that message and just asking the Lord what he wanted to reveal, it felt like he was saying to me uh, that as we enter the millennial kingdom, as we enter the next age, it's going to feel like we're being born again. And uh, there's going to be so many things about that time that are gonna feel like a rebirth, like another birth into another age, uh, into another reality. So we're gonna have a new body, for example. It sounds like a new birth. There's a new body that we're gonna have. We're gonna get a new home. So we're gonna be in a different place. We're gonna be opened up, like the reality is gonna be totally different in the same way that the reality in the womb is really different than the reality that you come out into. Uh, There's going to be this reality that's completely different and has similarities, but is going to be different. And we're going to be birthed into this. And even when you think about birth, now that I'm just thinking about it right now, it's like, it's, it's almost this death experience was when a baby kind of has to die to one way of living, the one way of getting oxygen uh, and nutrients and has to kind of end that and start a new way, start a new reality. And so there's this going to be this transition from kind of relying on these natural things that we've had in order to live. And we're going to be moving into a new way. The umbilical cord will be cut. And we're going to be in this new reality. So there's this new birth thing that this idea around this that kind of happens when we go into the new age. And, and that was really hitting me. And then there was this, as I was, as I was pondering this, as I was praying about it and, and, and uh, doing that holy pondering that I, that I do when I'm thinking about these, uh, hopefully it's holy, like this pondering and I'm asking the Lord, you know, for that revelation of, about his, his spirit and what he wants to say. Uh, there was this, reality that came to me about this which is about new names how we're going many of us will have a new name again a similar a similar pattern of when we go into this new reality as we enter the new age uh, we will be reborn and when people are born they're given a name and uh, some people as a reward uh, as a as a kind of this reality of coming into this new place are going to get a new name and so we're going to talk about that Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for this community. I just feel so blessed. We're, 
as we go into a new time as a church, I feel like there's been words around a new birth. And I feel like that's the symbol that just keeps coming for Maplecrest. And, and I think keeps coming for us in our lives where we're born into new things, into new realities. You use that uh, to help us to understand. And it's kind of from one glory to the next, Lord. And I just pray that you would help us to understand how you want to give us new realities, how you want to help us to grow into new things as we, as we develop as we develop and as you, as you work in our lives. Thank you, Lord. Just be with us this morning, be with each one. Let your words sink into us. Amen. Okay. So some of you, uh, for some of you, the idea of Jesus giving rewards may be a bit of a new idea. This is uh, something that can even be potentially a little off-putting for people sometimes uh, because rewards are associated with very earthly processes and sometimes uh, very painful processes on earth. Um, I have clients, for example, that um, will not respond to rewards because they've been abused by them. They've been punished by rewards in a sense. They've been withheld or they've been manipulated by rewards. And so there's lots of different ways that uh, recognition or, uh, you know, giving benefits and different things like this has been, um, has been kind of used poorly in, uh, that's funny, Alicia just kind of walked right through. <laughs> anyway, so uh, yeah, so there's been lots of ways that, that this has been kind of used poorly in our lives. And uh, so, but this is heavenly rewards. This is a different thing. <laughs> and, um, and so I want you to help you understand what it means in heaven, uh, because Jesus names himself as a rewarder. He names himself as somebody who gives rewards. In Revelation 22, uh, verse 12, it says, my reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. So Revelation 22, 12, which is the book we're speaking out of. My reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. So he's going to give to us according to our works. And you might say, but Cyrus, isn't it about faith? We're not given according to our works. Isn't that frightening? Like, oh my goodness, I'm going to be given according to my works. Don't we preach against works? Aren't we like not works people? And, um, and so this is a tough distinction, you know, like, uh, because then it can lead to striving and it can lead to all these problems. But it says here clearly that he gives according to, to that person's works. And, but the works that Jesus looks at are different than the works that, that we think of. And, and um, so even though it might feel like, oh, God is talking about works now, it's, it's not talking about salvation. It is talking about what you do here on earth impacts how you're treated in heaven. But it is different. The way he evaluates your life, it's not about how much money you make. It's not about how much fame you have. Uh, he's rewarding you based on his realities. He sees the world. And, and that's what's important. That's what's important to be aware of. Uh, so it says here in Revelation 20, verse 6, just as an example. Uh, Revelation 20, verse 6. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. So we were actually talking about this last time when we were talking about the millennial kingdom. So Revelation 20, verse 6, Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such the second death will have no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. So when we go into the millennial kingdom, some people are going to be able to participate in this first resurrection. I'm bringing this up just because that's what we were talking about last Sunday. It was right there. And some people were wondering, are we not all going to be there? Well, it doesn't say that. It says that some of us will be participating in the first resurrection, and some of us will be participating in the second, and blessed are the people who participate in the first resurrection. Like, that's going to be something that some people have and some people don't, and that's hard. 
that's a tough thing to kind of get your head around. Uh, but there, the Bible is chock full of these ideas. It's chock full of these things that are given to people based on how they live their lives. Uh, I'll give you an example. There's so many. I'll give you an example of one that's in Revelation, but also in James. So uh, it's called the crown of life. Um, and so Revelation 2.10 says, Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you in prison. So he's talking to a church here. Uh, so he's going to... The devil is going to throw some of you in prison in this church that you may be tested. And for 10 days, you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. This is a reward that these people will have a specific reward in heaven that these people will have for being faithful in this type of persecution. It's mentioned in James as well as crown of life. James 1.12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. The same test for when he stood the test, he will the test. He will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. So there are these specific experiences that people go through that are associated with specific rewards. Now, how that all works out in the end, like how specific rewards are given out, we can only go by what the Bible says. And I'm not uh, going to say I know exactly what people do have to do in order to get specific rewards. Uh, we're not given the details around these things. Um, but there, it does seem to be clear. Like it's, it's not just these random things. There are actual, uh, you know, crown, the crown of life is mentioned multiple times. And there are many, many different kinds of rewards that God talks about, that Jesus talks about. There's eating with Jesus. He talks about sitting down eating with people. Jesus saying things to you. Some of us will have things said to us by him when we face him. He will say certain things. It's going to be amazing. It's like, you know, you have been faithful. You have been, who knows what he's all going to say, but he's going to say things to you when you're in heaven. And it's going to matter what he says to you. Ooh, there's crowns, different kinds of crowns that people will have. There's clothing that people will have. Different kinds of clothing that you will have. I, I think that, I mean, there's different clothing that's mentioned. It's, I think there's actually gonna be specific, I, just going further, I think it might be specific to people. You might have clothing that's different from anybody else in heaven. And it's gonna mean something to you that you have that. People are going to have, it seems like we're gonna be emitting some kind of glory or light, just like Moses. And, and we're going to be kind of going and different people will glow different ways or it says different amounts we're going to emit things we're going to emit this light or this glow i don't know exactly what it's going to be and it may be different for different people i mean he's mentioned so many different kinds of rewards and heaven is a very big place and with lots of things going on so i would imagine that this is different for each person maybe even the quality of it is different for different people there's different government positions where we'll rule and reign i don't think we're all going to get the exact same position we're all going to have different things going on. We're going to have different, we're going to rule and reign some of us in different ways. We're going to have priestly positions. We're going to be ministering God's purpose and his, his, uh, his ministry to people. We are going to be um, connecting people with him. But there's one reward that I wanted to focus on today. One I think that God is going to be giving out that I wanted to talk about, which is getting a new name. Some of us some people are going to receive a new name. So let's talk about that. This is a reward for overcoming. Getting a new name is linked with conquering, resisting temptation. And the, the naming seems to go in two different directions or operate in two different ways. To the one, so this is Revelation 3.12. To the one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple. There's another one, a pillar. I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God. So this is actually, he's not giving a new name. He's actually writing on people. 
So in the same way that you're getting clothed and glorious coming off of you, some people are going to get writing on them. Now, I'm not sure if this is going to be visible that when you see them or if it's going to be some kind of subtle thing that glows when you're in a different place. I mean, your imagination can just keep going with these things. I don't know, but on them, there's maybe it's not that, I don't know how literal this is going to be, but on him, the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven. And this is the one I, I, I found so fascinating. And my own new name. We aren't the only ones who are going to get a new name. Jesus is going to get a new name. I think that's amazing that, that God is giving himself a new name in that time. I think that's so fascinating. We were talking before about how God never changes, but he changes things. It's, his nat- it's in his nature to change things. And he's even changing his name. He's giving Jesus a new name. And he's going to also give new names to people who overcome. So in this verse, we were talking about how he's writing his name on people and the name of a city and, and his own new name. And, and in other places, it talks about, there's this conquering reality in Revelation 2. Again, it says in Revelation 2, verse 26, this is to Thyatira, the church that had Jezebel in it, to the one who conquers and it, in verse 26, it says, the one who conquers and keeps my works until the end to him, I will give authority over the nation. We talked about government. He will rule them with a rod of iron. We're going to rule in the same way that he does. And as when earthen pots are broken to pieces. And as I myself have received authority from my father. So we're going to have his authority, some of his authority. And I will give him the morning star. He's going to give himself to us. I'm referencing this for a reason that's going to come later. I will give him the morning star. He's referring to himself in Revelation 22, 16. Jesus talks about about himself as the morning star. He's giving himself. So we have him writing on people his name. We have him giving himself to people. He is, this one is the most direct. All of these rewards are kind of relational rewards. And this is the most direct. I'm going to give this person who conquers myself. I'm going to give him the morning star. Maybe a certain aspect of himself, the morning star aspect. what What that means to him is going to be given to that believer who overcomes. He's promising himself to these believers who overcome Jezebel. Then we have the church of Pergamum. And there's lots of rewards here. I'm not going through all of them. This is the church that has Satan's throne in it, in that city. And it says, Revelation 2.17, to the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna. I'm still waiting for revelation on that one. Hidden manna, this hidden food, this sustenance. So there is food as a reward. So don't worry. For those of you who like food rewards, it's right there. Hidden manna. And I will give him, now this is the one I really, uh, that started this for me. And I will give him, the one who conquers in this city where Satan dwells, I will give him a white stone with a new name written on that stone so that no one knows except the one who receives it. With a name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. There's a name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. There's going to be this secret name. That's only for that person and God. I don't know why that white stone one just kind of just makes me fascinated. It just makes me wonder at him, what he's doing. I mean, we think of rewards as being like money or things like this, or fame, like this is a secret. He's going to be giving secret names to people. I mean, I guess you could walk around and say like, ooh, look at me, I got a secret name. But I mean, I think the idea is that it's a secret. This is not something that you're like rubbing in people's faces. This is not about obtaining joy 
in being better than other people. This is, this is about you and him. This is different. We can't put our paradigm of rewards on these rewards. We should probably come up with a different word other than rewards. I don't have one. Benefits? I don't know. Relational cues or symbols, relational symbols that people will get. But it's going to be meaningful. It's going to be powerful for people. You want these things. A lot of believers, I think, get this feeling like, I'm going to love him even if I don't get a reward. He's telling you. He's saying here, like, these are rewards. The Lord is saying, these are things that you don't have to feel bad about getting. So why a name? Why would we get a name? What's in a name? Why is a name a reward? Well, there's a few things that names do. There's lots of things, but I, I found three that I wanted to kind of talk about. Uh, one is it recognizes changes. So if you've changed, a name recognizes that change. It joins, the second one is it joins people together. A name will join people. And a name changes people. It's actually an active ingredient. It's not just about recognizing or joining. I mean, joining is active, but it's also about like, changing that person. If you give them a name, they will be different. I remember this from a movie. This is just a movie, but I remember in a movie, uh, they had this battle this, this, that there was, they just, it was overwhelming odds that they were going to lose this battle. And one of the rulers said, let's knight, make everybody a knight. And uh, one of the other rulers, or the, I think the king said, why would we make everybody a knight as if that's going to make them fight better? And he said, yes, it will. It'll make everybody fight better. If we name them, they will behave differently. He didn't say that. I think their script was better than that. But uh, if we name them a knight, they will fight like a knight. So it's an active thing. It's an active ingredient. So it recognizes change when you've actually changed already. There's lots of, I mean, when you think of a name, we can think of like, oh, my name is Cyrus, you know, and, uh, and your name is like Fred or Sally or whatever your name is. You could think of that as being your name. And that's true. I think that that's totally true. That's what this is talking about. But I think we need to go beyond that because a name is an identifier. It identifies something about you. It, it's, and, and it can go, it goes way beyond. It's about identity. It goes way beyond uh, the thing that somebody says in order to get your attention. Like Cyrus, why do people use Cyrus? Well, they, they call me Cyrus to get my attention, to, to specify me. Uh, but it's probably the least descriptive way to identify me. And names are about identity. You can also call them labels. There's, there's ways that you kind of distinguish yourself. And one of them is your name, um, which is almost like a nonsense word. Uh, just something we use, a sound we make to get your attention. But there's others that are descriptive, like your gender, your age, your employment, your personality. We have different ways. Are you introverted? Are you extroverted? Your intelligence. Where is your cognitive skill, your social skill, your musical ability? There's, the list goes on and on on ways that people identify themselves, the names they give themselves. Um, I remember somebody saying to me, I'm a runner. And they run once and it was like, I'm a runner. And I was like, why are you calling yourself a runner when you run once? And it's like, well, it helps me. I'm identifying as that. And it changes who I am. It changes how I'm functioning. So it recognizes it, it's something you've already accomplished. Some people clearly have done something and now they've got this, you've got the job, you've got the job. You're now an accountant and you, and you add that to your name. 
to who you are, your identity. It joins people. When people get married, they actually change kind of what we traditionally think of as a name, like a last name, and it identifies them, you know, with, with somebody. When you, get, when you become a citizen of a country, you get that identity added to yourself. When people join the church, I, can, I see that shift that people make when they're like, oh yeah, I'm coming to your church, to, um, to I'm going to church, to like, I'm a maple crester. You know, like there's an identity shift that go, happens when people join something, they change their identity. So it, it joins people together. Well, there's an interesting piece of research that talked about how names change people. And it just was the most unlikely thing. And it's been repeated. And there's because the, sometimes when psychologists find something that's really unlikely, they start to repeat it because it's like, is that really true? And they've repeated it again and again. And they've looked at all the different ways that you could kind of go wrong with this research, that there could be some something in there, some artifact that's kind of creating a positive result that's not really what we're looking for. And what they found is that if they show you somebody's face, so they put all these faces up, and then they give you a list of names underneath each face. One of the names is the actual person's name. The other ones are just made up names. People will select the correct name at a higher than chance level. How is that possible? They're not asking them any other identifying. There's no character description. Um, this isn't about what city or, or ethnicity or anything like that. I mean, you could think of some names being more common in different countries or things like that. They, they try to control for all of those factors that would typically help you to identify somebody's name. They control for all those things. And yet still, people will select the correct name significantly higher than at chance levels. Even computers do it. They, they had computers. They gave huge data sets of names associated with faces. And then the, the, the computers were able to, and then after that, get new names and new faces and were better than chance at selecting which name went with which face. There's something about people's face that must change based on the name that their parents give them. Their expression, hair color. I don't know what you can change about your face, but there's not many things, but people were able to, based on their photo, select them based on their name, their given name at birth. And they talked about a little bit of an example of how this might work. And they said, well, what if somebody was named Rose? They had one woman named Rose and another woman named Alex. And this is an example they gave in the research. And they said, well, Rose is a name that's more gender stereotyped. It's, it's, more, it's a more feminine name. Alex is a, is a name that can actually go with both genders. You can have a male Alex or a female Alex. And so they were saying that perhaps people with the name Rose would become, uh, have a different kind of expression, would maybe potentially um, hold themselves a little bit differently or, or put on their makeup a little bit differently. And people, somebody like Alex, who maybe has a little bit more ability to, uh, within themselves, based on their name, to not be quite as stereotypically feminine. So based on their name they have, that they have grown up with and the hundreds and thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of interactions that they've had with people, responding to people with that name Rose or responding to people with that name Alex, they've changed themselves and how they see themselves just based on that alone. Just based on that alone. One of the least descriptive ways that you can identify somebody, almost just a nonsense set of, of consonants and vowels and you can create a change in that person. Imagine what you could do with an actual descriptive name. Like if somebody called somebody lovely. 
or your name was righteous, or your name was sin, or if your name was ugly. If you actually gave somebody a descriptive name like that, how would it change that person? How would it actually change that person? So it's actually an active ingredient. It changes who you are. And there's this other part to this. Remember, it says that the new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it is it's a secret name. And again, this to me points to this relational aspect of this name. When you make friends with somebody, you start to become more vulnerable, vulnerable with them and it deepens your relationship with that person. He's highlighting, he's not just saying, he's not just, it's not just something where he's like, okay, it will be a secret name. He's telling us that part of the reward is that we get a secret. It's part of it. It's like, I'm gonna give you a new name on a stone and guess what? I have something else exciting to tell you. It's a secret. If he's naming it as part of, the, of why this is a reward, it, to me, that speaks of intimacy. It speaks of a close relationship where you are, if you know something with somebody else, if you have a secret, you're more closely connected with them. I know this from couples counseling because when anybody has a secret with somebody else, it's like, well, that's a relational affair. Let's say, I mean, that's not as black and white as that, but oftentimes those are the kind of things that add up to somebody saying, hey, you're cheating on me. You have secrets with this person that I don't know about. It's, it's a betrayal. And so it's, it's intimacy that you have with this person. And that's, that's what we will have with the Lord. It's like, I am going to have secrets with you that nobody else will have. And don't tell anybody because it's just for us. I don't even know if we're going to know who has this white stone. Well, when you get to heaven, I think that the rewards that you get are going to be about all of these things. I think it's going to recognize change. I think it's going to be one of the most wonderful experiences you can have is when somebody you're in relationship with sees you and you're revealed to them and they're like, hey, I noticed this about you. You're this, aren't you? It's validation. Now we talk about the book of Revelation because it's revealing Jesus and that's the reason we're talking about this, but it's not just about revealing Jesus. In the end times, you will be revealed. Now that could be frightening. A lot of people are going to quake at the thought of that whoa, you know, like I'm going to be revealed. Most of the ways that we feel comfortable are by hiding ourselves. We are all about shame and comfort. We take comfort in staying hidden. I was talking to somebody who just yesterday who was, had students that would go into school and they had so much shame, they would just cover themselves with their hair. They, you couldn't even see their face. Now with COVID, you could wear the hood and you could put on the mask. They're just like, oh, don't look at me. I'm, I'm hidden. You will be revealed. You will not be able to hide in heaven. One of the things that God is going to reveal about you is whether, he, and this is what we typically think about, is whether you're his or whether you're not his. This is Cyrus and he's with me. He's mine. I know him. We will be validated or not validated based on whether he counts us as one of his. 
we will be revealed. As Jesus is revealed, we will be revealed. All of the hay and stubble, it says, all of this stuff in our lives will be burned away and what is of God will be left. It will be revealed. Right now it's hidden in all this other stuff. We can't see it very clearly. We can sometimes see it in people, but it's very hard to see what really God is going to think of somebody in the end. All of that stuff is going to get burned away and what is pure and what is his is going to be revealed. So you might say, oh my goodness, Cyrus, this is the most frightening thing ever. Well, don't worry. I mean, maybe worry. Fear of the Lord is a good thing, but worry a little. Take this seriously. But the other thing is the focus isn't on the hay and the stubble. It's burned away. All the stuff that you might say, oh, what about this? And all about, what about that? And, and I'm a failure here and I failed there and all that stuff. All that's burned away. And those moments in your heart when you did something, I don't exactly know how it works, but I would imagine we've never done anything all that pure. So I'm imagining that even those actions that had some impurity in them, the pure part of them were going to be, are going to be kind of boiled down, so to speak, are going to be refined and revealed. And so this is a good thing. I think a lot of us are going to be like, wow, you found something. You found this, and that was good, Lord. There's going to be this huge relief for so many where it's like, oh, Lord, you were with me. There were parts of my life that you were pleased with. Even all of those mistakes, even in all that stuff that just gets in the way, Lord, you saw that time I gave that cup of water, so to speak that time when my heart reached out to you, that time when I prayed for my brother, my sister, that time when I gave of myself, you saw that in my heart, even though I was confused, I was reaching for you. So when I say works, this is what I'm talking about. It's, the, it's God's evaluation of what we've done with, with the power that he's given us. And you don't need to do this in this way, that this isn't about getting into heaven or not getting into heaven. This is about once we're there and him saying, look at what you did with your life. I'm going to reveal it and I'm going to enjoy it with you. Now, that's the first one. We will be revealed. Revelation is not just about his revelation. It's our revelation. He is a revealer. That's his character. And he is a rewarder and an enjoyer. He takes pleasure in his people. He's going to take pleasure in you. He's going to say, look at this. The other one, next one is joining. This is going to be joining with him. We are his bride. He's going to write himself on us. I mean, talk about joining somebody. I mean, here we just take people's names. You know, like I'm, I'm taking my husband's first, my husband's last name, so to speak. You know, like I'm taking this name or I am now you know, a real estate agent, I'm taking that name on myself. We kind of guess do write it on ourselves, we write it on our business cards, we kind of do that. But this is actually going to be written on you. You are going to be Jesus's and he's going to write his name, even his new name. I don't even know what that means. It's going to be new and it's going to be on you, potentially. You are going to be joining with him. That's the reward. You're going to be born into this new reality and you will be revealed and you will be named. I think the primary naming is you are mine. You are with me. And that's going to be expressed in, in the variety and complexity of God. 
And the last one, I believe, is going to still happen even in heaven. It's going to change you. There's going to be tears when people are having this process. It says those tears will be wiped away, but that means that there's tears, which to, to me suggests that we're having emotion, which to me suggests that there's change. We're going to be understanding things. We're going to be understanding. It's like, wow, look at what you found in me. Like, this is revealed. That was what was left. This was the good part. And it's going to be like, okay. And we're going to feel differently afterwards. We're going to be identified with him and it's going to be meaningful. Why would he reward us unless it was meaningful for us? It's going to be meaningful and that will change us. We will walk into that new identity that he gives us. And I believe that that change is happening already. We don't have to wait for the next age for you to be named. You can be named now. I don't know. I don't think you can get the full idea. I mean, maybe Paul seemed to have a really good idea what his rewards were before he died. He seemed to grow with certainty in his rewards as he came to the end of his life. And I believe that we can do the same thing. I believe that your process of change, your process of growing into your new heavenly identity starts today, starts yesterday. It starts when you're born here is we are developing our identity in God. We are, we are participating with him in the creation and revealing of our identity now. And as we get named by him, we are revealed and we are joined and it produces more change in us. I mean, we're a prophetic church. This is one of our identities as a church. There's other identities, but one of them is prophetic. And one of the primary things that prophetic does is it names people. You are beloved. That's like, if we had to have like a, a label of what the prophetic was, it's like telling people they're beloved. It's bigger than that, but it's like, this is, and when you tell people and they, I mean, telling people they're beloved of the Lord is one thing, but telling it so they actually believe it, like God said that to them, that's life-changing, life-altering. And if you become a believer that you are a beloved of the Lord, you will change. You will be revealed, I am a beloved. You will be joined, I am connected. And you will be changed. I'm going to behave differently now that I know that my new name. I am beloved of the Lord. But there's so many different ways that that can be expressed. And that is this joyful process of living your life and being in this relationship with the Lord where the Lord where you say to the Lord who you are, and you say to the Lord who he is, and he says who he is, and he says to you who you are as your identity shifts over time. You do things, and you walk into your identity, and you are changed by the identity he gives you. It's this kind of back and forth process that happens. And the prophetic is this wonderful way of doing it more directly, where you can have somebody sit down, and you can say, the Lord saw you this morning, when you were sitting under the tree and you are beautiful, you are just, you are beloved. This process starts now. And remember that the name comes through persevering through struggle, I believe that our identity to the people who conquer this white stone is given. And I believe that starts now. I believe that when you persevere through trial, your identity is revealed. I don't even think you need to go to a prophecy room or a prophetic person to know who you are because your identity is revealed in struggle. 
Maplecrest is revealed in struggle. You are revealed. Earth is about revealing who you are, creating and revealing. It's a, this process that kind of goes back and forth. We are in struggle. He puts us in a fire and we are revealed. I will burn away everything else that's not me. You will be revealed by the struggle that you go through. You will be created and revealed. Well, this has been another fire. This has been another struggle that we've had to go through. It's a struggle as a church. It's a struggle as individuals. It's not going to stop. You might be like, oh, yes, like church is going to come back together this afternoon or it's going to come back together in the beginning of June. And I might be like, oh, that's that's when it's going to like be different. No more struggles. It's like, no, it's going to be struggles. I mean, we might have things come, they go, it might be easier, it might be harder. Lord, help me to find and create who I am by my choices in the struggle. It's an opportunity. And he sees it. He sees what you do in the struggle. Even though it's, you make all kinds of mistakes, 100%, you make mistakes. But he sees those movements towards his heart in that time of, of trial. And he says, that is what I'm growing. That I'm going to call out. I call you faithful. And you're like, faithful? Look at me. Look at me waver. He's like, I see the faithfulness in you. I call it out and it grows. I think that the new age, the millennial kingdom and beyond is going to be like a rebirth. We're going to get a new body. It's going to be like dying to ourselves now and going into a new life. It's going to be a new world, a new purpose, same world, same purpose, but new world and also new purpose. And I think we're going to get, just like a baby, we're going to get a new name. Some of us are even going to have a secret name. Some of us are going to have his name written on us, his new name. And I think that the rewards listed in the Bible, I just have to believe that it's not a complete list. I think there's going to be so many ways that he expresses himself. And he's just giving us these hints. To think that a Bible, to think that a book as short as the Bible could completely describe heaven, I don't buy it. And I think that the church is going through a rebirth. I think that we're each of us going through a rebirth and we're going to continue to do that. And I think that this is just another step. And I think we get to reveal who we are. And I'm excited to walk into my new identity, Lord. The Lord in my own life has been giving me new identity after new identity after new identity. And I waver and I make mistakes and he gives me new identity after new identity. And I want you to be on that journey too. I want you to see the journey so that you're not just in it and doing it, which you can do without realizing it. I want you to realize it and see it and enjoy it. It's like, oh, this is another trial. It's another chance for him to identify me as faithful. Identify myself with him. So the new name, it recognizes us. It joins us with him. And it's done to actually continue to produce change in us. And it's happening now. And it's going to happen in the future. So we need to listen and hear what each of us has as a new name. And I believe we can do that in community. I think that we can call that out in each other. 
We can tell each other, you are this. Father, I pray that you would give our church prophetic wisdom about our name as a church, as each individual. And I pray, Lord, that as brothers and sisters, that we would build each other up and call each other into our new identities in you. That we would call each other into the way that you see us. Even when it's just an inkling of a start, Lord, I pray that you would help us to see that so that not only would we recognize these changes in each other, Lord, I pray that we would grow them and that we would see it all as meaningful because it's all about you. It's all about our relationship with you. It's not about the size or whatever, about ministry or your ministry or what you're doing. Obviously, we walk into what God gives us, but Father, help us to see that it's about our relationship with you, about growing that. That's the reward. Lord, you, you say you are coming and you're bringing your reward with you. You are the morning star. You are our great reward. And there's so many expressions of that, Lord. Help us to just enjoy your presence. Amen.